Hi, everybody. Grab a Bible, open it up to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6, we'll get there here in just a couple of minutes. As many of you know, it has become a, a bit of a popular trend in pop culture to treat God, to portray God with a bit of irreverence. Uh, so a, a few examples. Uh, this picture is from a, a Netflix show called The First Temptation of Christ. It was released in December of 2019. The show portrays Jesus as an openly gay man who brings his lover home to meet his family when he turns 30. Or maybe this next picture, the whole Jesus is my homeboy phenomenon. Uh, this one's kind of past now, but it, it's still around in some parts of celebrity culture. And there's shirts and hats and other gear that have Jesus is my homeboy on it. And multiple celebrities over the years have been seen uh, wearing that kind of gear. And just this third picture, you know, God, Jesus, that you know, they tend to show up on some television shows. Uh, many of them very famous, and and really. Their cameos on the shows are sort of designed to mock, whether that be South Park, Family Guy, or other shows. You know, th these are shows that mock most things. So when religion is brought into them and, and Jesus is, is portrayed or God is portrayed in some way, it's usually in a, a comedic, mocking sort of way. Now, I think it's easy um, for, for all of us to talk, sometimes even to act a bit flippantly about God. Because we do that with people we're familiar with. We just tend to have a, a comfort level, and familiarity can breed flippancy. Well, last week, we started looking at the, the specific statements of the Lord's Prayer, and we were invited by Jesus to pray with a certain amount of familiarity with God, to pray our Father, that we can address Him as our Father telling us that it's it's not just that we're talking to our almighty creator we're also talking to our dad and and prayer is not a business transaction it's it's a family affair but that sense of familiarity as good as it is can breed flippancy and and now the next phrase of the lord's prayer comes back and corrects that issue in case it happens. Uh, chapter 6, verse 9. Uh, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. So while we can address God as our Father, He is unlike any Father you and I have ever known. He is unmatched. So, for example, Matthew chapter 7, verse 9 Jesus says, you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Well, of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Or Hebrews 12.10, for our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how, but God's discipline is always good for us, so that we might share in his holiness. So the Bible presents this reality that, that though God is our Father, he is very much unlike our earthly fathers. He is higher. He is better. He is perfect. 
And, and that's what this statement in the Lord's Prayer does for us. It, it acknowledges the otherness of our Father. May your name be kept holy. Now that word holy means other or different, to be set apart. So what this prayer is asking is, God, may your name, your personhood, because that you know, someone's name in the Bible equals their character, may your personhood, may it be unlike any other. God, be who you are. Continue to be God. So what do we do with this? Now, let me remind you again, as we've talked the last couple of weeks, prayer isn't really about the words that we say. Prayer's about the heart that determines those words. So with this statement, Jesus is teaching us that we are to have a reverent heart, a heart that respects who God is. So if we have reverent hearts, what is it that should be on our hearts and on our minds when we pray? Well, a few ideas. Number one, God's position. If we have reverent hearts, then God's position is going to be on our mind, on our hearts when we pray. Now, notice how the prayer begins. Our Father in heaven. So God is above us. God is beyond us. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, we we looked at this passage a handful of weeks ago. As you enter the house of God, keep your ears open and your mouth shut. It is evil to make mindless offerings to God. Don't make rash promises and don't be hasty in bringing matters before God. After all, God is in heaven and you're here on earth, so let your words be few. So this is a helpful reminder that when we pray to our Father, don't forget where your Father is. And then it continues, don't forget who your father is. May your name be kept holy. God, continue to be God. I mean, this is a declaration that, God, I want you to be God because I don't want to be God. I make a terrible God, small g. You know, I mess things up. I'm sinful. I don't really have what it takes to run my own life on my own, much less attempt to run the lives of the people around me. So when we're praying, we are praying to someone who's different, who's other than us. He is higher. He is better. He's someone who sees the big picture. He knows all things. Isaiah 55, verse 8, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, So my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So God is not some uh, just further evolved human being. He's like us, but he's a little bit better. He's infinitely beyond us. As the heavens are above the earth, so is he higher than we are. His ways, his thoughts, higher than ours. Now, intuitively, we know that we should show a certain amount of respect for those who hold higher positions. It tends to come naturally. So in the workplace, you show a certain amount of deference and and some honor to your boss. At least you should. 
regardless of whether you think they should be your boss or not, that's a different story. But because of the position they hold, you're to, you show some deference and honor to them, especially to those who are even higher up the food chain, those in political office. You know, we intuitively know there's respect to be shown to them. Royalty, for that matter, we know that there's respect to be shown to them. We get that. Those of you who served in the military, you understand this very, very well. If someone outranks you, and again, whether they should or shouldn't is beside the point. If they outrank you, then there is a certain way that you are to treat them that shows proper respect. How much infinitely more so? Should that be true when we address God? Our prayers should find their foundation in our respect for God's position as God. Number two, if we have reverent hearts, then when we pray, God's power should be on our hearts and on our minds. God's power. So when we acknowledge that God is higher and other than us, we are acknowledging his power as God. Because when the Bible talks about God as God, it is very clear about how powerful he is. So for the next couple of minutes, I want to do something that I think is fun. Let, let's take a quick look at the world around us and then see what the Bible says about our world and the God who made it. So scientists have come up with an estimated size to our universe. So the whole thing. The estimation is that our universe is 20 billion light years across. Now, for those of you who are a little fuzzy on your science, let me clear that up for you. you know, a light year is the distance that light can travel in a year. Makes sense, right? It's pretty logical. That's why it's called a light year. Well, one light year is 5.88 trillion miles. So it's pretty far. So in order to get from one side of the universe to another, you have to travel at 5.88 trillion miles a year for 20 billion years. That's how long it's going to take you to get from one side to the other. Now, to give you a bit more of a practical aspect of a light year, consider it this way. So if you were traveling, if you were flying from Chicago to Los Angeles, it's a pretty good chunk of the country, and if you were flying at the speed of light, you could make 48 round trips every second. So that's pretty fast. Now, within our universe, there are an uncountable number of stars. The best estimate we have is just a guess. And the guess is this. There are 10 to the 21st power number of stars in the universe. Well, here's what that looks like. There are 21 zeros there. That, that's a big, big, big number. And, and while the numbers might get a little bit smaller, they're no less impressive when we start talking about just our own galaxy. The Milky Way galaxy is nearly 100,000 light years across. So again, to get from one side of our galaxy to another, it's 5.88 trillion miles uh, every year for 100,000 years. The closest star to us is our sun, which is 93 million miles away, a, a mere eight light minutes away from us. The next closest star is called Alpha Centauri, which is 4.27 light years away, which is about 25 trillion miles. 
Now, of course, there are other galaxies in our universe. We're just one of many. The closest galaxy to us is two million light years away. But you know, then again, we're moving at a very fast speed in our galaxy. Our galaxy moves 190 miles per second. So we're, we're flying pretty fast through space. So with the rotation of the Earth, the revolution of the Earth around the Sun, and the movement of our galaxy, the spot that you were sitting in one second ago is now 330 miles away. So you're moving pretty quickly through the, the vastness of space. Now, I know that can be hard to wrap our brains around. I mean, those are big numbers and the, the vastness of space. There's a lot to talk about there. So let's, let's make it a little bit more personal. Let's talk about you for a minute. So your body is packed with all kinds of things. Your body has enough iron in it to make a three-inch nail. It has enough sulfur in it to kill all of the fleas on a dog. It has enough carbon in it to make 900 pencils. It has enough potassium in it to fire a toy cannon. It has enough fat in it to make seven bars of soap. It has enough phosphorus in it to make 2,200 match heads. It has enough water in it to fill a 10-gallon tank. Now, an adult's blood vessels, if taken from the body and stretched out, would top 100,000 miles. You have 45 miles of nerves in your body, over 30 feet of intestines, I think what's even more impressive than all of that is the consistency with which your body works. Your body's always at work. Even when you're sleeping, by age 70, your heart will beat 2.5 billion times. And it beats with so much force that it takes an individual blood cell only 60 seconds to cycle all the way around your entire body. In the hour that you sit here today during this church service, your heart will produce enough energy to lift 2,000 pounds three feet off the ground. Now, I, I think these stats are mind-blowing. Of, of all that is within us and as our bodies and then certainly in the universe, but here's what the Bible says about all of those things. All of it was created by a personal God, which means he is an even bigger, more awe-inspiring creator than all of the awe-inspiring things in our universe. He breathed them into existence. Romans 1.20 For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. All you have to do is open your eyes and look around. Look in the mirror at your physical body. Look at the, the stars and the universe and you see who God is. You see his power. Listen to Isaiah chapter 40 verse 12, uh, one, of, one of my favorite Old Testament passages. Who else has held the oceans in his hand? Who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth or has weighed the mountains and hills on a scale? Who's able to advise the spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to give him advice or teach him? Has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice? Does he need instruction about what is good? Did someone teach him what is right or show him the path of justice? Now, 
Let's take a minute and break down some of those word pictures about God. It says he's held the oceans in his hand. Okay, well, the estimation is that the oceans on the earth hold 369 quintillion gallons of water. That's 18 zeros on that. that that's a big number, and he just holds it in his hand. It says he's measured off the heavens with his fingers. Again, the universe is 20 billion light years across. And to God, he's just measuring it with his fingers. That, that, that's about how big that is. He, he knows the weight of the earth. He measures the, weighs the mountains on a scale. Well, it is estimated that the weight of the earth is 5.978 sextillion metric tons. That's 21 zeros attached to those numbers. And he, he knows that. He, he just weighs it on a scale. Remember the number of stars from earlier? The 1 plus 21 zeros, 10 to the 21st power? Listen to Isaiah 40, 26. Look up into the heavens. Who created all these stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. That's incredible. No wonder... Again, God speaks through Isaiah and says, 55, chapter 55, verse 8, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. My ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Now, I say all of that to say this. When we pray, we are praying to our Father, our God, who has unimaginable power. And, and friends, I think that is both terrifying and comforting. I think it's terrifying because we have to admit we cannot control God. We can't manipulate him with our prayers. We don't get to wheel any deals with him. We can't impress him. He can do whatever he wants. At the same time, that's comforting because he can do whatever he wants. We don't pray to someone who can't change anything. We pray to the one who has the power to change anything that needs changing, to fix anything that needs fixing. That's who we pray to when we pray to our Father. Number three, God's purity. If we have reverent hearts, then when we pray, what's on our heart and what's on our mind is God's position, his power, and his purity. So when we pray, may your name be kept holy, we have to realize that that word holy has a moral dimension to it. When we say that God is unlike us, we mean it. He doesn't lie. He doesn't manipulate. He doesn't yell. He doesn't have impure thoughts. He has no hint of maliciousness in him. His motives are perfect. And after speaking about the lure and deception of sin and temptation, James says this, James chapter 1, verse 16, So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. So God doesn't say one thing and do another. There's no shifting. There's no changing. 
And that's why the Bible speaks so strongly about sin, about why we should flee from it and pursue holiness. Because God is pure and holy, and he desires that we would be like him. He is pure and holy in all things. And we need that assurance when we pray. I mean, when God answers prayer, whether it's what we ask for or not, we can trust that what comes from him is good, and we can trust that his motives are pure. He's our Father. He is holy. He is pure. We can trust his answers. They are always right and good. Again, back to Matthew 7, verse 9. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, Do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Our Father always gives the bread. He always gives the fish, regardless of what you and I ask for. Now, I I think, interestingly enough, this first part of the prayer, this first request may your name be kept holy, that is the only eternal request in the prayer. All of the other requests that we're going to look at over the next number of weeks, all of them are temporary. You know, give us today the food that we need. Oh, okay. Uh, We we get that. Um, That's temporary. But when we pray this, it's eternal. We're declaring, God, I, I want you, I need you to be God. And I want you to have me in this reverent posture before you forever. Because we don't want that to ever change. God, may your name be kept holy. So friends, this is who God is. Again, we don't get to fabricate a God. We don't get to uh, you know, look into our imagination and, and come up with the kind of God we would like to have and the kind of God we want him to be. He is who he is. Whether we like that or not, he is who he is. This is the God of all creation. This is our Father. His position is above us and always will be. That will never change. His power is incomparable. It is unimaginable. And his purity is stunning and trustworthy. And that God who is holy and perfect and right and true and good, invites you to place your trust in Jesus Christ so that this God would forgive your sins and he would grant you the gift of eternal life and he would adopt you into his family so that you could then address him as father. You don't have to be afraid of him. You don't have to dread him. He's your father. So if you have not placed your trust in Jesus Christ, you have all reason to fear and dread this God because he is above you and he is more powerful than you. He is pure and you are anything but. You've sinned. You've blown it. You've rebelled against him. You've said things against him and against his ways It's bad for you, but he invites you anyway. Romans 5, 8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were in the midst of rebellion, he was drawing us to himself. So if he's doing that with you today, 
if God is flipping that switch, that you would believe that this is true. And then the Bible says for you to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that he died for your sins and rose from the dead. The Bible says for you to repent of sin and turn to him, to acknowledge the way I've been going away from God isn't working. I'm going to turn and I'm going to go towards God. The Bible says for you to confess Jesus as Lord because he's in charge, we're not. And the Bible says for you to unite yourself with Jesus in the waters of baptism as you're immersed into him. So a quarantine doesn't have to stop any of that. Reach out to me. I'll be happy to counsel in any way that I can. Would love to talk with you, pray with you about all of this, and invite you to place your trust in Jesus Christ today and address God as your Father, asking Him from a reverent heart, may your name be kept holy. Now, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to take communion. So whether you got stuff from the elders yesterday or you have stuff at home, after I pray, go and get those elements of communion and take that bread, take that juice, and with them, be reminded of God's love for us as shown to us in the sacrifice of Jesus. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. We ask from a reverent heart that you continue to be who you are. We don't want anything about you to change. We don't have what it takes within us to be God, to run the show, to even run our own lives. We need you to do that because you are above us. You are beyond us. You are holy. And God, we acknowledge that together today. And we're grateful that you would invite us into your family. You would adopt us as sons and daughters and you would allow us to call you who you are, our Father. So we take this piece of bread, we take this cup of juice, and within we remind ourselves of your incredible, unimaginable love for us, people who do not deserve it. That's been proven, that's been shown to us by the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. We remember his body sacrificed for our sin, his blood shed to forgive us. We remind ourselves of you, and of your proper place in our lives. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.